everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Stone Genius Podcast. My name's Ro. I'm the Stone Genius. You know me. I'm often stoned. I'm always a genius. Unless you ask my wife. Uh, so I am very excited about the guest that we have on the program today. So in a former life, not literally a former life that I've talked about with other people on this. It's not when I was a Viking. I'm literally talking about just a former career. Uh, I was very involved in HR. And so our guest today is known as the HR lady from the website, thehrlady.com. Wendy Sellers, welcome to the program. Hey, how you doing, everybody? Very good. I am so glad, and I know the audience, they're very abrupt here. I apologize for that sometimes with them. Um, so in a, in a previous life, I was director of operations for a staffing firm, and we had about 8,000 employees that went through our company in a year. And Whoa. it, you know, I, I had been in and around training in HR for a long time. So for me to get on that side of it, and it, it just blew me away. So that's why I was excited to have you on the show, because I, I, I want you to introduce yourself and, and tell the audience a little bit about who you are. But, man, I really want to take a deep dive into this because I think HR has changed a lot over the years. Oh, yes, it certainly has, especially since the pandemic. But it's finally, I think, going in the direction that it should have been going in a long, long time ago. You know, and, and it's weird because it seems like it's always HR people that see that. And then no one wants to friggin' listen to us. And I, I so this is how afraid I am of, of just having HR in, in the title and sentence of this that I said friggin' instead of fucking. Because <laughs> everyone in the audience right now was like, they're like, what did he just say? Did he just self-censor uh, himself? Uh, yeah, I did. So, um I just didn't want to end up in your office someday and have to hear the speech about my language. So, um, sorry, sorry you're to cut in on that. You're definitely not going to have any issues with me since I have two books and one of them is called The Asshole Whisperer. <laughs> So and don't the, worry about cursing and, around. And I wanted, I did want to ask about that because the other one is Suck It Up Buttercup. And my wife was like, she goes, that sounds like you would write it. Because, <laughs> it, and it's probably because I am somewhere on the spectrum and I lack some, I, I, I lack empathy a lot of times because I'm just very direct. It's either true or it's not true. We're doing this. We're not doing it's It's very black and white for me. I, I hate gray areas. I, I really do. Um, so it, when I saw those titles, because ugh, I, oh my God, I, I was, there's a reason I say that in my current position, I'm, I'm serving my penance right now here on earth because I probably was not the best HR lead that I could have been in retrospect. Gotcha. Well, at least you know now. Yeah. Well, what I know now is never get back into HR. I don't I don't blame you one bit. As the HR lady, I don't think I could handle being in a corporate position. You know, I'm an HR consultant. Right. Um, and the reason I became a consultant is I, I worked – when I started my HR career, I worked at a really, really great company. I had no business being in HR. I had no experience except for some management experience. And then I just, you know, I figured it out and then went back to college again and got another degree in HR. But anyway, when I finally ended up 
you know, going to a career as a consultant, it was because I left a wonderful, wonderful company um, because of economic turmoil. And then I worked for a really crappy company for a year. And I was like, no, nobody ever has to work for this type of company. And I'm going to go help companies not be this type. And so that's kind of what my goal is like, hey, how about we all just get along and if you treat your employees well, then everybody makes money and then everybody can go home at the end of the day and not want to kill themselves. So, so yeah, that's pretty so, much my <laughs> so was the company that gave you this epiphany, was it a small, medium or large size company? Um, I would say it wasn't super small, but it definitely wasn't large. It was a, you know, the, the original owner at the time was the CEO and, um, so it was, I would say, on the smaller side, but not okay. like 20 people. There was definitely a couple hundred people, and they just, uh, Kit, you know, didn't really know how to manage people and didn't know how to talk to other human human beings. So, so how has that changed? So I'm 56. So I started like working and being as concerned as I will ever be about money, you know, in the late 80s. And things have totally changed. I mean, one thing that's weird is I I started at a small mom and pop business, not my own mom and pop, but a small mom and pop business, uh, went up through corporations, and then I, I've trickled back down. It's almost like I've Benjamin Buttons myself, not like the age part of it, but the job progression part of it. And so I'm back with a mom and pop. And I thought that there were a lot of benefits to that. And there are. Um, but, man, there's a lot of drawbacks. I mean, I, I I guess I never looked at it really from that aspect, from the small business, because they, they got a lot. I mean, and, and I know they can't offer. Like, one, one thing right now is I need knee replacement. Well, I can't afford to take uh, – six weeks off for my job that I currently have. But if I was back at my previous job, I would have been able to take eight weeks off at hundred percent pay. And if I needed another eight at 80% pay, and they would have just been like, that's fine. You know, just tell us what you need. Yeah. It's, I mean, the, the bigger the company, uh, you know, in theory, they have more money, but that's not always the case. Right. Um, but they definitely have an HR department and it, the more employees you have, the um, more benefits you can get. So the more heads you have on an insurance plan, the cheaper it gets for the company. If you're a small company and only you only have e even under 100 employees, not all those employees are going to sign up for the insurance because they might have it somewhere else. And so then the insurance gets a lot more expensive. And so a lot of companies don't even have insurance. I mean, maybe someday in this country we might actually get, oh, I don't know, national insurance because that is – you know what really brings a company down and yeah. it's what a lot of people when they're when they're um, looking for a new job they may be chasing insurance which is which is pathetic it's pathetic it is. that we're here in this or, country or sorry to interrupt i was just going to say because i had to deal with that that was the biggest thing i changed jobs um and left uh, Best Buy where I was a Nikon rep with Best Buy and went to a, a small business where we have seven employees and from the time they offered to the time I accepted, I think was three weeks. And they were, and that was one thing. They were very generous. Like a, a corporation would have been, fuck you, and they would have moved on. You know, and if we don't hear your answer by Tuesday, we're going to move on. And they gave me three weeks. But the biggest thing was, am I going to be able, because I was going to have to pay Cobra for two months until the insurance kicked in at the new place. 
And so as you get older, I'm healthy, but I'm also 56. So hold on, I got a sound for that. Um, so, but I mean, that was the the biggest thing. I agree. I I I find it hard to believe that out of the what they consider the 33 industrialized countries, that 32 of them have figured out socialized medicine. Right. Yeah. I mean, it all comes down to. Uh, not to get into politics, but it really does come down get down to politics and who's paying who right. and who's making money. You know, it's not really about caring about your employees or caring about the citizens or no. the people that live in the country. So it's unfortunate. Um, but you know, getting back to to the the question about you know big company versus small company, I I, I think you know regardless if you have one employee or you have thousands of employees, how you know, your managers are are what makes the difference and for the small companies you may not have a manager you're you're a super creative person you have this great idea for a product or a service you sell so you open the company and now you're the mad scientist plus you're supposed to be a leader um, which you may be a creative leader but you may not know how to lead other human beings especially ones that work for you so it's always interesting i love working with small companies and teaching the creative, you know, the mad scientist who said, hey, we developed this product and this service and we're killing it here, but I can't keep my employees. And I usually have, sometimes I have to tell the business owner, well, it's you, you're the problem. So let's get other people in and get them trained how to be a manager. And you just go over here and be, continue running the business forward and being creative and and, um, coming up with ideas for products and services and let other people who actually like uh, dealing with human beings and or just know the law and know how to motivate people, let them do it. Half the time, it's we're just getting our own way. You know, Um, so many business owners also, they promote somebody, oh, Joe, you've been here for three years, you're thinking about quitting? Wait, how about I promote you to a manager and then I could pay you more, but I'm not gonna give you any training. Right. So tomorrow you're gonna come back as a manager and then I'm gonna be mad at you because you don't know how to manage. (laughs) Well, in that, you know, so I was a uh, corporate trainer with Sprint back in the day. So I was with them 2002 to 2005. And they had what was called the University of Excellence. They were known as a very top tier training program. Um, so they would put people through training. The problem was they would put the wrong people through training. And that was yeah. my fight. I was always good at being able to, to identify talent, even if I was at a store and uh, it was um, the uh, Dale Mayberry store uh, of Sprint. And um, and I can say Dale Mabry because you'll know you'll know what I'm referencing there. So I was at the Dale Mabry store at Sprint, and uh, I was helping a, a new manager who shouldn't have been a manager, but helping he had never hired people, never had any. He didn't know how to do interviews, but needed to hire a, a salesperson. So um, I, I, I sat in there and we're talking and everything. And so he's about to wrap it up, and and from his tone and his response and, and his follow ups, it just sounded like. He was kind of negative, so I, I kind of paused it. I, I asked to step outside. I go, what do you think? And he goes, I don't think he'll be a good salesperson. I go, you're 100% right. He goes, so I'm going to pass on him. I go, what is he good at? He goes, man, he's got a good technical mind, blah, blah, and was naming off all this stuff. And I go, do you have any other positions open? He goes, yeah, I have a tech position. He goes, I should offer him that. And I was like, yes, you sh-. But I mean, you know, s- sometimes people get thrust, like you say, into a position. Like in Sprint, you would see it. 
that if someone was a great salesperson, that if the manager position would open up, they would want to make their great salesperson the manager, even if they had no right. aptitude for managerial skill. Because what they, what, what, what the suits would always think is this person is now going to be able to disseminate what makes them such a great salesperson to everyone else. And that's not how that works. You know, sometimes it does work, but often the reason they're such a great salesperson is they like doing that. When you're a manager, you're not selling. Selling is a last resort. You're doing paperwork and meetings and, and follow-ups and all this other horse shit that, that you don't really like doing. So that was the big thing at Sprint is that they would like to promote based on a, a performance level in a certain role, but then move them to a role that had nothing to do with the, the totally different aptitudes needed, but they would use that as their, their measure. Oh, that would be great. Never look at anything else. Yeah. Like, yep, did they ever exactly. travel? They were late on their expense report. If they were late on their one expense report when they travel once, could could they maybe be delinquent on getting other paper? I mean, just, and that's where I notice fucking patterns a lot of times. Like, I always, I say on this program all the time, listen to what people say. They will tell you exactly who they are. Yep, you just have to ask the right questions. Yeah. And so that's a, that's a really good point is, Listen, folks that are listening, when you are interviewing somebody, please like, pause for a second and prepare for the damn interview. You know, I know none of us have time. You know, we want to make sure, though, that we're preparing for the interview. So, and I even say, I'm going to step further, prepare for the job ad. Job ads that are out there, they look like crap. I'm like, right. you really want somebody, somebody's going to apply to this position. It's written like, I love when I re when I see job ads and they're like, do not call us. Do not email us. You right. know, we will contact you. I'm like, well, you sound like friendly. I really want to work for you. <laughs> you know, as you're speaking this, I always find um, conflict in my life or like I'll see someone doing something. I'm like, I can't believe they're doing that. That seems weird. And then I'm like, oh, fuck, I do it. It's just differently. So recently our oldest was on and she was talking about she's on a dating app and she goes, sometimes I'll respond to a guy. I, I think it was like each person had to like each other before they could communicate. So she said sometimes she would like a guy just so she could put him in his place. I believe she used a different terminology, but that was basically it. <laughs> and I'll say I've actually responded to ads myself. Being former HI, when you look and you see like 37 bullet points of what the duties are, and it's like, how often are you doing these duties? How long do you think it takes to do this, you know, each one of these? I mean, I'm trying to figure out, like, how many hours are you expecting me to work here at this point? So I, I totally agree that sometimes it's just outrageous. And then it, it, they list all this shit, and then at the bottom, and then they're like, and any additional duties that may be required. Right, which is... You know, it's just the catch-all that we're going to make you do other things. And, you know, it's fine, um, if, especially if you have a small company and it's all hands on deck all the time. But make sure that's incredibly clear in the interview and don't surprise them three weeks in, three months in to say, oh, by the way, you're doing all these things. Because, first of all, it is freaking expensive 
to recruit now. It is expensive to just put a job ad on Indeed, which used to be like the cheapest place to go. Right. So when you're putting a crappy job ad up there with, and it's not even like, doesn't even tell you what the, the job is or it gives, it's so strict that it's like, you must do this and you can't do this and we don't have benefits and we don't have this. It's like, all right, you're just spending money just to spend money. Nobody's going to, nobody good is going to apply to a crappy job ad. And then the ones that are so vague that it looks like, oh, anybody could apply here. And that's what happens. Everybody on all levels, you know, right. across the country applies to this job ad because it's really not clear what the heck you're going to do. Now, somebody at the company has to go through all those applications, whether you have HR, um, a recruiting, a staffing company, or in most, you know, most businesses across the United States are small businesses. So that means it's usually some admin person or me or you, not me, the HR lady, but, you know, like right. um, an operations person going through that because we have time to do that. We have time to go through a thousand applications that came in overnight because the job ad wasn't clear. So if anybody is interviewing that's, um, you know, listening today, please, before you put that job ad out, stop collaborate and listen. No. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. <laughs> Make sure that you stop and say, okay, we want this job ad to be as realistic as possible. It explains our awesome company culture, um, what benefits we have or we don't, what training we have or we don't. Compensation and benefits um, are very key to putting a job ad. In many states, it's mandatory now, and in other states, it's not. But I won't work with you if you don't put your pay in a job ad because I already know you're being shady and not transparent. So right. I won't work, work with you on the staffing side, and I'm certainly not going to work with you on the other side unless you're coming to me for advice to say, hey, we need to change. Well, yeah, how about being transparent? You say in your values you're transparent, but you don't even put the job, the amount of pay in the job ad. So that's not transparency. That's yes. just a bunch of BS that you're using that word and want people to feel like you're being transparent, but you're not. And, so, that, and that's you know, when that, I always say you should thing. call people out. Like – and I'm like that. So the the small company I work for, so it's uh, there's uh, two partners. So um, the two partners, uh, one of their wives, she works there as well. I mean, she could be considered the third partner as well. And then we have uh, four full time salespeople, and that's it at the store. And um, one of the partners a few weeks ago told me he goes, "You are so high maintenance," and I go, "Yeah, I know." And, and I do know that, but I also know that I'm that that's something that he tolerates me because I also know what I give him. I, I know I know that my return on investment. I mean, the best stuff. You you know this. You're in Florida. There is a certain things that you when you live in paradise. Because people would always ask me, uh, being from Florida, they'd be like, "How did you deal with hurricanes?" And it's like, well, you would find the people you wanted to party with and you would literally have a hurricane party. Hello. Unless you were in an evacuation zone, which didn't happen, right. doesn't happen that often. And um, so, but, but that's part of it living in paradise. And I will tell you this, I would rather live in paradise and have a week's notice that a storm may be coming than live in the Midwest where a tornado may just drop out of the sky on your head. At any given time, you may have like a couple <laughs> minutes. I mean, if you've seen the movie Twister, you usually don't have that much time. They like to make it think that you have like a lot of time. You don't have that much time here. So, but right. you know, when I used to always say when I was a trainer, membership has its privileges that you can pull certain things that, you know, why don't you have something do that? And, and I, 
this is probably, so I haven't been in HR since way before the pandemic. So I got out of HR in 2011. Um, so I'm sure things. Congratulations. Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, thanks crowd. Um, yeah. Well, at that point it was, so I was director of operations for a staffing firm. One of my purviews was um, workers' compensation. And uh, we had a subrogation claim. Uh, one of our workers was on a job site, got run over by a bobcat on the job site. So um, we were having to pay the claims, but we were going to go after the, the, the company to get our money back. And we were part of a captive, which is almost like self-insurance. Um, mm -hmm. So it, it really meant a lot. I worked hard to get us, when I joined the company, we were in a state pool and got us moved into this captive, which saved us hundreds of thousands of dollars a year just on premiums alone. And um, so we were gonna subrogate this claim. And it was, you know, a $700,000 plus claim, 750,000, something like that. Um, and the owner at the time, this is 2011. So we had, uh, this is the first week of 2011. We had, you know, gone through uh, 2008. Uh, the economy was still pretty shitty at this point. Uh, people were long-term unemployment was going on and things like that. And so he literally told me, he goes, you know, I can hire someone half your age at half your price and let me go. Wow, not, that's not illegal at all. No, no, but I mean, I mean, so, so I had looked into, so I, I ended up negotiating a, a, a severance package and things, but the, the interesting thing is they did bring someone in that was about half my age, and from what I understood from people left behind that they probably made about half of what I made, and then they had to get that person an assistant because they couldn't keep up with it, and then they forgot you have to file when there's a subrogation claim, you have certain benchmarks where you have to file that we're going to continue to, to, to hold claim on this. So we're going to follow. And they missed those. So they never this. They lost out on that, that reclaiming that seven hundred thousand dollars or whatever that, that amount was. So I ended up getting the last laugh because I was like, man, if you would have just kept me, you would have saved so much money. But um, it, it's. Yeah. I, and that was a, a mid-sized company too. And it was, I don't know. I do like, because of my directness, I do like the small business aspect where I can say shit to the owner, directly to the owner, and yeah. we just have that conversation. And, and language doesn't really have to be into it. Uh, I mean, there, you know, as long as you're not being mean to the other person and you're you're making valid po I, I don't give a shit about someone's language i mean if you're making that it you can talk as politely as possible but if you're talking gibberish like the earth is flat and i'm sorry wendy i didn't cover this with you beforehand i i am anti-flat earther for some reason um <laughs> maybe there's stupidity <laughs> yeah so uh so i didn't discuss i i I only say that because I, I had mentioned that pre-show uh, to a, a another guest, and they said, "Well, I am a flat earther," and I was I was like, "I go, are you are you being serious?" And they're like, "Yeah," and I was like, "Oh." So um, so I didn't go over that with you, but um, then, then your then your phone accidentally disconnected. <laughs> yeah, sorry, I'm on the other side of the flat earth right now, and I can't hear you. So something about line of sight or something. 
Um, so like you can be as polite as possible and talk gibberish like that. I'm just going to walk away because I do not have time to waste with you. So that's one of the things I enjoy about it because, and here's, here's the cheat that I will tell people. And I've mentioned it on this program before. If you have a problem with HR and you're with a big company, take the time to, and you may disagree with this, take the time to write a letter, a handwritten letter, or at least if you're going to use the computer, sign it personally with a pen. Don't just type your name. Uh, send it to the CEO. Uh, what's going to happen is they have people that read their mail for them. And, but what's going to happen is someone's going to see that at the top and it's going to be passed down and someone's going to be like, I need to take care of this. If you go the normal HR route, you're going up the tree and you will get some junior underling. And I know that this bypasses a lot of people and stuff, but it works very effectively, um, to, to bypass that because when I was at Best Buy, there were a couple of issues that came up and one of them, um, ended up in the removal of a district manager and a territory manager. And so I had sent a letter that, and you have to be very specific too. not a lot of people often you, you have to, it specifics, especially for HR, at least for me, were everything. Um, so I'd be like, Hey, this is what happened this time. You can look at this camera on this date, blah, blah, and gave them all the information, sent it to uh, the CEO. So it gets kicked down, and it was like one of the vice presidents of HR was the one that gave me a call. And I talked to him, and we talked for a few minutes, and I go, literally, there's nothing I can add. I go, everything is right in there. And I go, if I talk to you, it's gonna be, I'm going to just regurgitate what's on there. But um, you know, two weeks later, those people were removed, and... I didn't know that would be the, there had to be a lot of background. Yeah, we, there was probably, okay, this is your, this is the last, the, the, the last, last straw. Thing, yeah, think. because what already I already dealt with you people here, here, and here. And now it, now it got to the CEO, especially if it's a bigger company. And now you've got to go because the report is, is true. So that's, a, that's actually a really good strategy, especially in a, in a bigger company yeah. to just go to the, go to the head cheese. And then they, because like I say, they're either going to ignore it or they're not. Right. Right. And I did that, um, so I had uh, worked at Circuit City way back in the day, and I had left, and we had bought a big screen, and it was like an open box big screen, just a ridiculously low price, and we got the warranty, because the warranty says they'll replace it with the same model or whatever the current model is. Well, this model wasn't even available anymore. So we got it, it did go bad. Um, I finally, I would call, I would call the resolution center. I always thought it was funny because they were like, uh, oh, we can't do that. So we're going to escalate this. Someone will call you back within 48 hours. So 72 hours late, I would call and be like, hey, no one called me. We'd go through the same thing. We'll escalate this and we'll call you back in 48 hours. So I eventually was like, I don't think you understand what the word escalate means and putting a time frame on something. So I had all of this documented. So I ended up sending it to the executive vice president. He was like, you can, we'll give you this TV or this TV. And I go, I don't care. You, you pick whatever is most economic, whatever you feel I should have, that's fine with me. And they gave me the more expensive TV, which was thousands more. I mean, this is back in early 2000s, like when Circuit City was still around. But um, they, it was thousands more than what we spent. But it can be very powerful if you go to the top because a lot of times they're not going to read it. They'll have someone else will, but they'll they'll see a, a, cer a certain urgency that you took the time to send it to where you did. 
and they'll pass it down. And, and so someone from the, the top of the tree, someone that's been there a long time, that's had time to grow with the company or grow with the organization, they're going to be viewing this and handling this as opposed to someone that maybe is like, I don't know, but I, I'm next. Yeah, so the, the one piece of advice I would give you about that um, for our listeners is um, don't always be the one running to go to the top. Like no. try the try the traditional or the, the you know the, the policy route and then when it doesn't work out, then go to the top because then yes. you just say, hey, I tried to do it the way you, we were supposed to and there's been no action. And then the other thing that often happens, and I see this a lot with larger companies that have large HR departments or you know even operations to it, that the team is handling it, but they forgot to tell the person who complained or right. they forgot to tell the person that it, you know, is, is involved like, Oh yeah, well, we have a whole committee about this. Okay. Could you freaking have told me that? And right. then I maybe wouldn't have just quit or walked out the door and took all my coworkers with me Yeah. because communication, communication, communication. That's it. You know, my books talk about um, suck it up buttercup and the asshole whisper. And that's what I do all day. Every day is it's all about communication. It's the number one problem in the world, not just in, you know, companies, it's the number one problem in the world. You say something, I take it the wrong way, and I, I you know, handle it um, inappropriately. When we really could just say, hey, I don't understand what you're saying. Can you reiterate that, or can I bring somebody else in because it's, it's going over my head, and maybe you can explain it to, you know, my coworker, and they can they could teach me what you're trying right. to tell me. But we make so many assumptions. Uh, managers and business owners make so many assumptions that, Somebody was trained, somebody was informed about a deadline change, somebody knows how to do X, Y, Z, and they're like, no, we never talked about that. Oh, I just assumed because you, you worked at this previous right. company. This is why it's so, so, so important when we're interviewing to get the right person. Take your time, slow down a little bit, prepare, uh, prepare for the job interview, and then get the team prepared too. I even say, you know, making sure that before you place that job ad, um, if you're looking for somebody, whether you're growing or replacing somebody who's left the company, you know, prepare all the interview questions before you even put the job ad out. So that way, all the interview questions for interview one, two, and, you know, three, if you're doing three sets of interviews, everybody knows what the questions are. And if I'm scheduled to do the interview today and I call out sick, somebody else could jump in because the questions are still there. Somebody still needs to, you know, understand the, the um interview comments and and you you could look at that later but i see so many people just people that i know that are looking for a new job and they apply to everything and they never hear anything back or they go to an interview and they never hear anything and it's like company you were not ready for this new hire why did you even do this process you just probably spent thousands of dollars on interviewing people and it turns out you had the wrong ad out there or right. you didn't ask the right questions and now you're mad at a new hire mad at a candidate because it's not what you're there, you know. It's not what the company's looking for, but it's your fault. Yes, that's why. That's why I wrote the wrote the you know my book, uh, "Suck It Up Buttercup: Be a Leader, People Will Follow." My whole theory in there is you might be part of the problem. And majority of the book is about me and how I royally screwed up being a manager. So being HR is one thing, but then when I had to actually manage people in my department, I made so many mistakes, so many mistakes, and I don't want other people to have to make those same mistakes but you know what sometimes we have to screw up to learn and that's just the way life is yeah and i think you know as long as you're and to be a good leader you need to be able to accept failure or a yep. non-positive 
I guess that would be negative, non-positive. Uh, I guess, you, you know, negative outcomes and be okay. Like, I nothing ever bothers me, which is funny because that bothers a lot of people. And I'm like, well, you don't understand how amazing it is to not literally. And it's not that I don't care about things. I just, I don't bother I mean, my life is literally what I can see. I'm almost positive I live in like a Minecraft simulation. Much better graphics than Minecraft, but a Minecraft simulation. <laughs> and um, so, you know, I it's, you know, when, when people are gone, I just, they're, it's like they're Schrodinger's cat. They're alive, they're dead. I don't know. They're just not around to me. And, um, but I always find that communication, I'm trying to remember the saying because I haven't had to do it in a long time. It was, um, don't text if you can email, don't email if you can call, and don't call if you can talk to them face-to-face. Yeah, that, that, that's actually a very good uh, analogy there for sure. Um, you know, we do have a lot of remote workers, but... Oh, yeah. And that and that that's different. That's why it was taking me a, a minute to remember that what I was saying because I haven't said that in years. But I mean, and I do under and I wanted to ask you about that. We'll get to the remote workers, but I, it, communication is and and part of it is I want to know everything because my my brain as a, a high IQ individual is just wired differently. I process information. Uh, there was an old thing that came out, and it's like if you ask someone to write down the number 13, most people will write down a 1 and a 3. And then, like, a genius people will write 1 and 3, 11 plus 2, 12 plus 1. They'll write, like, every possible outcome because I don't know which one of these you wanted because all of these are, right. you know, presenting. And that's one thing I used to do as a leader in everyone that was one of the first things they knew. I was very approachable, come to me with a problem, but I also wanted you to have a solution. And even if you said, you know, I've never run into this, I'm not trained for it, that's fine. I'm okay with that too. I mean, your solution is let's find someone that does have the the, the backing, but it was always like, come to this, because my answer would either be, either be, yes, that's great, do that. Uh, that is a great idea. How about if we modify it like this? Or that I, I like that idea. However, I don't think it'll work because of this and then give them a chance to rebut you. Always be open to that. And I think that's what always made, because actually I have written down, I wanted to ask this question. Can leaders be made? I have even at the, the store that I'm at now, people will walk in. The owner of the company is about 10 years older than I am. Very distinguished looking gentleman. But people always will, if they want to compliment someone, they'll come up to me as the owner that I'm not. And it's because I'm 6'5", and I think it's a, I think people, my personality, and I know, I know exactly how I sound, but the audience is, is very well aware of how I think about myself. It, it seems like a lot of people will gravitate towards me and it's more to, you know, lead them to the path to hell than it is anything else. But um, <laughs> so my question is, can leaders be made? Because just like some managers can't really be made, this is not their aptitude. Put them back on the sales floor and they're going to be amazing. Yeah, they, they absolutely. So there, there's a bunch of sides of this coin. So um, leaders just like a bunch of sides of the flat earth. Okay. Yeah, right, exactly. Um, so it's funny. I, it drives me oh, it drives me bonkers when companies... Whoa, the language, HR lady. Ah, 
Okay, it drives me freaking crazy. Okay. <laughs> there. Um, no, when, when companies like name on org chart level leadership, and it's like, no, 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 that's a role. Leadership right. is an action. It's not a role. It's not a title. And if your company, and for our listeners today, if your company has a org chart level and they're called leadership, all your employees are rolling their freaking eyes. Yeah. They're going, yeah, right, okay. Um, just because you have this title behind your name and just because you make this much money or just because you haven't been fired yet doesn't mean you're a leader. So you can lead, follow, or get the hell out of the way. That's where I stand. I remember it when— It doesn't matter where, where, what your role is. It doesn't matter if you just started there and you have no experience or if you've been there for 20 years and you're the CFO. You can still be the owner of the company and be a shitty leader. So I was with Best Buy twice. I was with them back in the 1990s as well. And when I was with them in management, they I saw an org chart. And I remember because this is just my person. I like to say stuff that people just look at me odd. And I go, man, I'm just like six industrial accidents from being CEO of this company. Because that... <laughs> I mean, that's what it was. It was like, there's only six spots above me, really. I mean, there, there's titles and there's other people that could go into these. But I mean, if they're all on the wrong plane, or in my instance, the right plane, then I, I could be CEO tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah, I don't I don't yeah. agree with it. I, I, titles never meant anything to me. I, I'd be like, no. when people worked for me, I'd be like, call yourself wherever the heck you want to. Right. That's actually how I ended up being the HR lady at a company I worked with. They didn't have HR. I didn't really know HR, but we didn't have titles. So it was kind of like the HR lady. And then when I finally, uh, you know, wrote a book and I got trademarks on the HR lady and everything, I was like, all right, is it? I'm like, you know what? It's me. That's who I am. So let's just stop fighting and, and go with it. But I want to get back to the thing about can leaders be made? Yes. The same thing about managers. So the person has to be um, – willing to you know be a leader and everybody thinks being a leader not everybody but a lot of people think being a leader is being me and you where we're loud and mouthy and we, and we take control of things right. but you can have somebody who's super observant and they're they're a way better leader than i am because they're actually listening and they're looking at people and they're saying okay i hear what you're saying and they're not just saying that to shut them up they're actually listening so don't think it's just the loudest or the most direct or the most blunt that wins because that's how I ended up in my role. And I made some major freaking mistakes. I hurt a lot of feelings, including my own. And it did hurt me that I, that I did that, but I, I was like, yeah, whatever. We'll all get over it. Well, guess what? Not everybody got over it. Uh, so I did lose some employees because of my, you know, leadership qualities, which is really being bossy. Right. <laughs> so, you can, you have to make sure that somebody understands, well, what does this mean for me to be in a leadership role or a management role? And management and leadership are not the same thing. A manager, you know, directs what's going on um, today in today's world. And I'll just say 2024 and beyond, your managers need to be leaders because that's what employees want. Right. They don't want to work for a manager who's just doling out duties. You need to train, you need to develop, you need to coach, you need to mentor, you need to act, you need to listen, you need to give feedback, and then you need to repeat and do all that again tomorrow, um, maybe for a different employee. And one employee might say, I'm good, I don't need anything. And another employee is like, yes, I need all the training and all the mentoring you get. Right. So for anybody who's thinking like, oh, I wanna get go for this management role because it may, I can make more money, 
I always say, pause, do you really, really, really like people? And do you really like mentoring and helping people and giving positive feedback, not just negative feedback? And if you don't, if that drains you, management might not be for you. It may not be worth that extra five, 10 grand. Right. You know, you can go somewhere else and be a, you know, an expert um, without having to manage other human beings. You can manage projects maybe or or something like that. But management is is hard. And what I'm finding um, since, I'll just say since the pandemic, it's really been before that, but really since the pandemic, companies now realize, oh, crap, we've been avoiding training and development for decades. We've been avoiding having good managers, not the manager's fault. Um, we've been avoiding having management training. We've been avoiding all this stuff, and now we can't because all the employees who actually do want to work here are demanding this. And if we don't give it to them, then they're leaving. And so finally, I feel like we as society have arrived to say, all right, companies, you've been talking about, you know, doing X, Y, Z and treating your employees better for decades. Now you have no choice because if you don't, they'll leave because there are so many jobs out there that people can go to. So back in the training my training days, we used to have a, you know, you'd have that fight where uh, store managers wouldn't want to let their employees go to training. The rule was they were supposed to be in training for two weeks, new hire training for two weeks before they even went to the store. Hiring was so screwed up there that that often was not the case. And when a trainer would travel into the town, like say Jacksonville or something, because I was based over in Tampa, And so I was traveling into Jacksonville, you know, I may get there once a month and generally Jacksonville, I'd share with a trainer out of Orlando. So I do a week and he'd do a week. Um, But managers of the store would hate to send their employees to training because they are not working. They're not working. And they're like, how about if I send them to training and we get them all trained up and then they leave to go to a competitor? And our response was always, how about if you don't send them to training and they stay? Yeah. Because, exactly. and, and that's what they don't look at. You know, the, the, you always need to look at long-term benefit. What I mean, to, you, you can't just look at, oh, I, I really need coverage today. You know what? I, I guarantee if you send them to training and they're getting trained right. And that was the problem also is I found with Sprint that when I went into their training as a trainer, uh, I had a training manager that would come and watch me like the first time I delivered solo. And during my systems training, she actually stopped me and said uh, something about, I'm not sure that's right. Can we check on that or something? And I knew I was 100% right. But I said, yeah, we'll check on that. We came back the next day and we did it. But she didn't understand. And it was a pretty big deal because I even remember it to this day and it's been 20 years. It was basically when you would sign for a new contract, like renewal, you would have to sign it in two places. One that you're actually signing the contract and one that if you cancel the contract that you that there was a cancellation fee. And they had to sign it in both places. A lot of people, they would train you because the person training everyone at the store was doing it incorrectly they wouldn't have them sign the actual pad. They would just have a, a, an audio and not have them sign the pad. And so someone could say, I never re-signed that. I never signed a new contract and get out of their contract. 
And so, you know, and that's a pretty impactful thing for the company uh, as a, a risk and exposure. And yet the, the training manager even had the information incorrect. Oh, yeah, 100%. I mean, there's so many uh, new hires. Like, I, you know, I'll just be talking to people that I know, friends, and they're like, oh, I started a new job. And I'm like, how was your first week? They're like, they were not prepared. There Fuck. was no, no, half the people didn't even know I was coming. There was no training set up. I'm already feeling unengaged and want to get out of this company. And I just quit my other job for them. Right. So, you know, we're, we're so, sh- our society is so stressed. And, and angry. I was just actually reading a, the Gallup 2023 or 2022 workplace report, and then they just put more out information out um, recently. And it says, you know, 52% of U.S. and Canadian workers feel stressed and 18% feel anger all the time. Yeah. That's a lot. Yeah. And this all goes into, and this is, by the way, the, the numbers in the reports are regardless if you're in person, hybrid or remote. And so um, I have a friend who, uh, two friends actually, whose companies are like, oh, you got to come back to the workplace. I'm like, it's almost 2024. You're going to make them come back now. They've been working remote for three, um, almost four years. And now you're going to have them come back. Oh, well, we want them to be engaged. I'm like, they're not going to be engaged. They're going to be pissed the freak off right. that they have to drive to, to the office. You said their performance has been good enough for the past three years that you didn't fire them. And now you're saying it's not and that they have to come back. And now they're pissed and angry and it's expensive because now they have to get, you know, pet care, kid care, uh, pay for their gas, you know, maybe get a car if they got rid of their car because they work in remote. And it's like companies aren't thinking of this. They're just thinking, oh, things were better in, in, you know, 2019. Well, yeah, guess what, assholes? The world have changed since then. You think forcing them to come back to the workplace is not going to change a damn thing. It's just going to piss them off more, and they're going to go find another uh, another job. And now you're going to have to go and recruit and spend money on recruiting, and you have to recruit people who actually want to work in the workplace, which most people want some kind of hybrid. Um, and then many people have moved, literally picked up and moved to another state, and they're like, uh, sorry, I can't come in anymore. Right. I don't live there. And I might be your best performer, but your stupid policy of coming back to the workplace is losing the best performer. And let's face it, when our coworker leaves, we usually say, hey, where are you going? Or are there any other jobs for me there, too? Oh, yeah. So it's you don't just lose one person. You lose mem- members of the team. Even if they quit and stay, they just they take your paycheck, come to your damn office. Uh, or if you already were always in, in the office, they take your paycheck but they're doing the bare minimum of the job because you don't care about them as a human. Why should they care about you? Right. And you know, that, that's how, that's how I like want to change the world. I want everyone to listen and say, all right, you're making stupid decisions. (laughs) Ask an expert. Don't just make an assumption and throw something at the wall and think it's going to stick. Let's train people how to interview. Let's train them how to manage. Let's train them how to lead. And then let's really figure out, do we need people in the office all the time, some of the time, none of the time? What can we change with the new world? We're not going back that way. We're not going back to 2020. We're not going back to 2019. Stop looking that way. We have to look a different direction and change because the world has changed. Right. So that's that's all there is to it. There's nothing we can do about that. Yeah. It, and it ha- it has changed. I mean – so it, so I had uh, when I had separated with that company in 2011, I was actually got a severance package that I thought was going to be 
okay and didn't know that I was going to be unemployed for almost 20 months. And so when I finally got back into it, it was someone that I knew. I was just like, hey, do you have any jobs at your place? And he's like, oh, we have some support roles. It was like they were like uh, routing engineers. They supported like Sprint and other companies, and they were switching stuff over to, uh, from legacy equipment to newer equipment. This would have been like 2012-ish time frame. And um, so he goes, yeah, I, I, I got you for an interview. And, and the cool thing about then is they, a, a recruiter called um, we figured out a, a time frame that worked for everyone. I showed up, uh, I, I did the panel interview. I think there were four people there and I remember going to my car and I don't remember how long I sat in the car. And then I called the recruiter and uh, her name was Dawn. I said, Hey Dawn, um, you can go ahead and withdraw my name from consideration for the position, uh, the support position. Cause I got to tell you, I just spent an hour with those people and I go, I didn't understand like every other word that came out of their mouth because they, they used a lot of like lingo that I just, you know, and acronyms and stuff. I had no idea. It just it didn't even sound like a language I spoke and it probably wasn't. And it was funny because she goes, oh, we've already heard from them. They, they love you. Uh, <laughs> I was like, oh, OK. And so we were able to negotiate it. Well, when I've looked for a couple jobs post pandemic, it's like. I may get one call from a recruiter and they're like, if you are not available at this time, then we're going to move on. And I'm just, I, and that's happened actually multiple times where it seems like they have so many people applying that they want to, whatever's easiest for their, regardless of how good a candidate may look, they, they're more concerned about the ease and convenience the to their time schedule. Frame. Yeah. yeah. That's, just, that's, stupid yeah uh, you're missing out first of all you know most people already have jobs so they can't just drop their job and call off to interview with you yes and, and, and you're not a sure thing right you know it's just it's it's thinking the old school way of we're in charge no 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 folks employees are in charge these days yeah um and if you don't believe me you can just fuck around and find out that's the name of one of my podcasts yeah <laughs> it's like, you know hey Go ahead. You want to lose all the good employees and the people that are available, you know why they're available? Because they don't have a freaking job. And there's a reason they don't have a job. Right. You know, or there might be, it might be by choice too. But yeah, some companies just don't get it. So I really do hope that our listeners, you know, really look into, even if you're not buying my book, somebody else's book to say, okay, how am I supposed to, you know, or watch YouTube videos, anything, they're free. I have a ton of resources out there. Just Look me up, Wendy Sellers, the HR lady. And I just want people to stop making stupid decisions. I get that managers and business owners don't know um, these these practices. And that's why we're somebody like me is here to help you say, all right, I own a business or I'm a new manager and I haven't been trained and I don't understand why we're losing people or the people that we have are unengaged. Well, it's probably because of the managers that are in the organization, but don't go pointing your finger at them if you're the business owner because you put them in a management position and you didn't give them the skills and the training that are necessary and all the tools and the resources. And then on top of that, holy moly, if you're making your managers be in charge of recruiting, recruiting is time consuming. Yes. Time consuming. So if you're making your managers be in charge of the recruiting for their role, well, then they can't do their role and they can't talk to the other uh, humans that work for them. And so it would be worth it um, 
to hire a staffing company or a recruiter or even like a temporary um, person, you know, it, within the company that's just a temporary role to help fill these positions, even if they're just organizing the the schedules and putting together, you know, the uh, benefits package and, and things like that. You can you can outsource that. You don't have to hire somebody full time to do that in house, but recruiting is a full-time job and then managing is a full-time job. So that's the other thing I wanted to say is if you are moving people around in your companies and you're saying, I'm gonna make uh, Wendy over here a manager even though she wasn't before. So now Wendy, you're in charge of this department. Here's your four employees. Oh, but by the way, you still have to do your other jobs. Right. No, that's not gonna happen because managing employees these days, and I don't care if the employees are 60 years old or 20 years old, it's not necessarily an age thing, although that does come into consideration, but managing employees in 2024 is incredibly time consuming. And so you have to take some things off of somebody's plate if you just promoted them internally from you know, a specialist to a manager. Now somebody else needs to be the specialist and I need to be doing some other duties. Does right. that make sense? Yeah, because it's a new job. It's not a job in addition because if they hire outside the company, then that is that person's job. So just right. like, and, and that's the, the only problem that I have. So one of the issues that I have with my current job is that I am not, and, and they know this, uh, if, if we had national health care, uh, I would be doing this podcast full time. And that that's what I would concern. My, my concern is not money. I've been at my current job now for over a year and I have not looked at a paycheck once, which I probably should. I'm sure my wife does. Uh, hold on. Uh, but I literally, and so last time the owner said something to me, uh, last month, he goes, he goes, I can't motivate you with money. I go, well, you can, but then you won't be happy. And he goes, well, what do you mean? I go, you've given me, you know, a dollar amount, you know, what, what you want me to hit, what a successful employee hits. And I hit that. Right. And he goes, yeah. And I go, do I exceed that generally? And he goes, yeah. And I, I go, what added benefits do I get? He goes, well, you get more money because you're commissioned. I go, we started this by saying I'm not motivated by money. I go, so how do you motivate me? He goes, I don't know. I go, well, if you told me I had to hit X dollar amount, and I go, you can pick that dollar amount. Doesn't matter what that dollar amount is. You can make, you can make it think it's so high that there's no way I'm going to hit it on a consistent basis. Give me a, a, a legitimate dollar amount. Give me a dollar amount. But it's, tell me as soon as I hit that dollar amount, I can go home for the rest of the day. And he goes, I would do that. I go, no, you wouldn't. Because if I came in at 10 and hit that dollar amount every day by noon or one or two o'clock and left, you would be pissed. And what you would be, you would think to yourself, man, if I force him to stay here all day, just I think how much. Money. Yes. And that's not how it, because that's not the incentive. The incentive is I'm there all day making less money. So you're not going to incentivize me. Oh, now I'm going to. And that's the problem that they, they lose kind of like sight on what the, the job description is and was. Like, and I say that sometimes. Yeah. I, I am not unwilling to do other things, but you hired me as a salesperson. I'm a salesperson. There's a reason that I'm not director of operations anymore. I don't want to be the one that answers the call in the middle of the night that someone got scalped at one of our job sites. Uh, it, it, that was the worst thing I'd ever seen. 
Um, I, I didn't want to deal with shit like that anymore. And I have said it to, to one of the, the owners that I work for. I go, this job's my penance. And afterwards, I went and apologized. I go, I, just, I, I don't want you to think that I'm saying this is a bad job. It's just that I probably could be doing more than this, but I need to, I need to kind of humble myself. Because I'm not, the, the more and more that the workplace gets stupid and stupidity is, seems to be more of the norm, the more I get frustrated. I do not suffer fools lightly at all. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, it is, it is, it just blows my mind that um, at this day and age, like we pay, we being businesses, pay so much money to fill seats, to fill empty seats. We know that there's a crunch on staff, especially experienced staff, right? Right. And then we do all that. Like, yes, we got somebody. And now we want to wring them out to death. You met your goals, but we want more from you. Right. Because we, we, we just want you to work over 2,000 hours a year or 3,000 hours. But no, that's not what we agreed to. Right. You know, we agreed to, you wanted me to do X, Y, Z. I did it in, in the snap of my fingers. And now you want to, you want me to stay here and you're going to wring me dry emotionally, everything. And then when I walk out the door, you don't understand what's going on. So, you know, it's easy when you're talking about sales commission or maybe a salary person because it doesn't matter, you know, then the pay, right. uh, so to speak. Sales is a little bit different. But when you're when you're dealing with hourly people, it's a little bit different. Like you're like, well, in order to get you um, to get a 40-hour work week, to get your full paycheck, you have to work 40 hours. Yeah, but they could be sitting there doing nothing for 40 hours. Right. You know, that <laughs> you know, but you still got to pay them. It, that reminds me of uh, so when I was with Best Buy my first go around, which was like 96 through uh, 2000, uh, I picked up because no one else wanted to do it. I became the uh, leader of the, the traveling team. We had like a merch team. They were rewiring um, for a high definition TV to start arriving. And for so what we would go in is we would go in. Uh, once the store closed because we'd be up in the ceilings wiring and said we couldn't do it when customers were there and they're a team of about eight of us and I was on salary everyone else was hourly and what I was finding out is they would be doing this work and then they would be wrapping up just before the store opened the next morning and so it'd be like you know we'd be there 10 11 hours at night and I was like this is not that hard of work so I, I went to him and I go hey can we just say when we get the stuff done, we're done? Whether that's enough in a night or whether we get done and didn't take Monday through Friday, it took Monday through Wednesday. Can we just be done? But you pay them the same amount. Can you yeah. salary all these people? Or can't really term it as salary, but can you put yeah, them you on a set that. amount, like a draw? And yep. so they did that. And amazingly, we would we would start at 10 p.m., get done at 2 a.m., you know, go to Denny's that was next to our La Quinta Inn or wherever in Oklahoma City that we were staying at. And we'd all eat, you know, and then we'd sleep and we'd get up and go to movies or hang out at the pool and then we'd do it all over again. But it really expert. And so sometimes it's finding the carrot and too right. often bad leaders, managers, owners, if it's a small business, don't know the right carrot to dangle. Exactly. Exactly. You could pay people more. You just can't pay them less. Right. You know, 
so it's like, I, you know, you, you could actually have a non-exempt salary. Um, you know, it's a little complicated, but uh, you can have, you know, salary is usually exempt where it's right. for a, a professional role or something like that. But right. you can pay hourly workers a non-exempt salary. The only thing is if they work over 40 hours in the work week on the federal law, you have to pay them overtime, a time and a half. But you could pay them 40 hours for only working 20 hours because they hit numbers right. um, or you're being generous. I have yeah. a client who does that, and they're like, we just want everyone to be salaried. Like, does anybody ever work overtime? They're like, no, we frown upon it. I'm like, well, then they're non-exempt salaried. So they still feel good that they're salaried, but you can't call them exempt salaried because right. that's, you know, now you're violating federal law. Yeah. And then depending on where you're at in each state, all states have their own rules too. So, um, you know, it, it – just, you know, there's a, for our listeners, there's ways to get uh, creative without breaking the law, but we have to ask each individual employee, what motivates you? Uh, many employees say, I don't want to, these are not great employees, but many employees will say, I don't want to get it done faster because then I won't get those five hours of overtime. Right. Yeah. So they're so purposely dragging their feet so they can get the overtime. We'll just pay them more. Or give them a bonus, you know, whatever, if they get it done and they still walk away with the same amount of um, the same amount of work that we wanted out of them. And in the end, we paid the same because they were dragging their feet for the overtime pay. When so best, like, oh, I was just going to say uh, kind of along that lines, when people are different, there's a guy at Best Buy when Best Buy. Sw so my position with Nikon, I was what was called vendor provided labor. So I was there and I, I was a Best Buy employee, but my position was paid for by Nikon. And so they only wanted me, my primary was Nikon, secondary was other cameras, in case one of the other reps wasn't around. I didn't help anywhere else in the store. In fact, I, I refuse, like a manager would be standing next to me paging, is there anyone available to help in routers? Anyone? And I would just be standing there on my phone on Instagram scrolling through because I didn't have a camera customer. And that was what my job was. But when the, so I, I had my, my money going on. And then uh, when the, one of the guys uh, on sales went to commission. And I don't know if this continued to play out, but they had put some of their stores, and this was a test market store, some of them on commission. And I remember him saying he had sold something and goes, I just made an extra uh, $20. And I was thinking I would have got to leave. I would have wanted to leave an hour earlier because I'm all about once I hit the amount of money I want to make, I want to leave. I'm yeah. gone. And so if I hit that, if I can do things that make me hit that number earlier so I can leave earlier, because me not being at work is the most, that's more important than having more money in my pocket. Like, oh, if you stayed right. another three hours, you'd make an extra $100. Or I go home and not work and hang out with my family <laughs> and walk the dog or do things that mean, because money is just not a, but, oh, I'm not sure I finished. So the, the owner of the company would give me my uh, my commission sheets. And he would say, he goes, every time I give them to you, you don't even look at it, you just fold it up and put it in your pocket. 
So when he gave me mine for the month that just ended, as soon as he handed it to me, it's like, oh, thank you. And I, I looked at it and put a finger on it. I went line by line. I was like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And he just <laughs> laughed and walked. And I folded it up and put it in my pocket. But it's, but the, I, and I very much appreciate him doing everything that he does. And here's another thing I will say about him as a leader that I appreciated him after a year of me not caring about that, that he still takes the time and effort to develop that, the commit so that I know everything. I mean, cause he could say, fuck it. I'm not, it takes time and effort for him to do that. I'm sure there's a report and it's streamlined, blah, blah, yada, yada, but there's still at least a minimal time and effort commitment from him. And he continues to do that, even though he knows I don't care about that, but who knows, yeah. maybe one day I'll be like, I should look at this probably. <laughs> yeah um here's an interesting i, I kind of wanted to tie it in because when you were talking about exempt and non-exempt i was at a company that um i can't mention because of many reasons because <laughs> of a because of a binding arbitration agreement um that, so that is also one reason that i went to the company that i went to the small business is they did not have an arbitration agreement and quite frankly, they didn't do a background check. Uh, they didn't, but it made it very 1980s. My very first job was 1983. And I remember you fill out a paper. I filled out, I think, an Indeed, uh, like on Indeed. And then they called me almost immediately. I went in and I think I got offered a job the next day. And so I, I don't think I ever filled out a paper application uh, prior to the offer or anything like that. Uh, so I very much like that, but I like the fact that they didn't have an arbitration agreement because that pisses me off. I can't get into it, but but they are not. It, it, I was surprised at something that's termed binding arbitration because what I thought was whatever the arbitrator said was binding by both parties. Uh, I found that not to be as true as it is, as true as that statement seems to be. So... Um, cause I, they had made a whole bunch of us exempt just so they could work the shit out of us. Cause there was one, yep. there was one quarter that we average over 73 hours a week, which is six, 12 hour days. Yeah. Yeah. That's a lot. No, yeah. thank you. No, thank you. And, and, you know, I have to say the, and I'll just say the younger generation, they're not standing for that. I mean, and I don't want to say that uh, millennials or Gen Z are lazy because that's not the case at all. The world has changed and they've they've been screwed as kids and as young adults and they say, screw that. My company, right. any company, it does not care about me the way I care about my job. So I'm going to do what I agree to do, but no more. Right. And I don't see anything wrong with that. And I, know, I, I you know, baby boomers and Gen X were like, well, no, that's not the way the world works. Well, that's, that's fucked up that that was the way the world works, yeah. that you can abuse somebody in the workplace and make them work all these hours for a crappy pay. So here, I have two sounds pay, for like this. Uh, I just want to interject because I have both a <laughs> and a. So here I totally agree with that. So that was one of my problems. So my parents, when I was growing up, uh, ADD and um, like genius or just having a mind that processes information differently uh, on the spec. However, 
my parents used to think we lived right behind a mall when we moved to Kansas City. Or when, when we moved to Kansas City, there was a mall. So I worked there. And I probably had 20 jobs in that mall. And my parents were always like, you can't keep a job. Like, he just can't keep a job, can't keep a job, can't keep a job. That was not the case. I would start a job and know immediately that I didn't like that job. For And I would be able to give a reason why. I don't like the owner. I don't like this. I don't like feet. I don't like, you know, what I would have reasons. And so I would quit. And so much like millennials, the reason I was so able to do that was because I was still living at home and things. And that's the only problem that I have. I'm totally on board with how they feel. The problem that I see is that, because we have kids in their 20s, two grown kids in their 20s, uh, children in their 20s, adults in their 20s. Um, but, you know, if, if they're like, well, I can just do this and then I can always move back home. Mm, hold on, wait, hold on. Hold on, because it's like the... There's always consequences with every decision that's made. And yeah. sometimes you just have to swallow it. Do I think people should be um, mistreated or uh, forced to do things they don't want to or feel? No, not at all. But you don't get to say, I'm not going to do that, but I'm going to live at home and do. One of the things that really pissed me off, and I'm sorry, you're seeing my, my brain, how it jumps around. At Best Buy, when I was there, they sent out a, a questionnaire for all the employees, the retail employees. And it was like, uh, would you prefer um, your benefits to stay the, stay the same or would you prefer more money in each paycheck? Would you prefer this, that, this, that? And a lot of them had to do with like 401k and a lot of it had to do with medical benefits. And what was pissing me off is that the Best Buy was touting that their average age in the store was 22 years old. Most of the people in our store were under 25. There were only three of us over the age of 30 in the entire store. And that was by purpose by the management, which also illegal, but that's a totally different story. Um, now I, I lost my train of thought of where I was going. Oh, um, no, now I lost my train of thought. See, that's how I get sometimes. <laughs> We'll get back to that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no. Um, God, what was I saying? It was about Best Buy. Yeah, well. Um, I'll, I'll not remember it, probably. That's how it goes sometimes with me. See, I see shiny objects, and then it's like I haven't fully formed my uh, my idea on the first object, so I lose it when I go to the sec second object. So um, what do you think is the biggest – oh, that's, I'm sorry, I do remember. So it was about the, the questionnaire that was sent out. Most of the people in our store, they were, they were on their parents' insurance. So they would answer the questionnaire, I want more money on my paycheck, I don't care about benefits. And so to me, the way I f feel like that should have been sent out is send out the questionnaire to everyone, but you only have access to certain questions. Like you shouldn't be able to a answer questions about benefits if you're not using the benefits or anticipate using the benefits. Right. If you're, if you're 21 and go, well, I'm going to stay on my parents' benefits because it's cheaper until I'm 26, you shouldn't get to have an impact on what me as a 56-year-old in the workplace has to deal with. Uh, if you're paying for your benefits, go. you answer however you want. I don't give a shit. But, but right. that's some of the things that, you know, you, you see that in, especially at Best Buy. I mean, the pandemic wrecked Best Buy. 
So the where when I was hired back in, and I only thought I was going to be there a month or two in 2018 uh, during the holiday season. I just finished getting another degree, and I was like, I'm going to do this till the start of the new year. Then I'll find something. And I ended up going back for four years. But in 2000, late 2018, 2019, the store I was at had the most wonderful staff that I had seen assembled. Um, the the GM, she was amazing at not only identifying ta- talent, uh, being able to identify where that talent needs to go, what 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 part they're going to play in the cast, and it, it was a lot bigger then. I mean, they had a you know every night you had three or four people in customer service, and you had all the the people the register, and then every department was full. And now if you walk into a Best Buy, my old Best Buy, they may have five or six people there. I'm I'm shocked that there ju- there's anything left on the shelves that people aren't just robbing and blind because of the number of people. So it's really changed over the pandemic. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, things, things have completely changed since the pandemic. And then they're just going to keep going forward to dealing with employees and customers. Uh, the expectations are different, you know, than then we'll just say 2020 and and uh, before that. The funny thing is, though, most employees, like what we want today, we actually wanted in 2018, 2016, yeah. 2015, but the economy, the market companies were still in charge. Right. And they're not anymore. And I know there's, you know, all um, the, you know, news now that, oh, there's layoffs and things like that. It's very, very, very small in the big, in the big scheme of things. But when we start hearing that, oh, you know, employees aren't in charge anymore, I call bullshit, absolutely bullshit, because they are in charge. Uh, We don't have enough trained humans to do what we need them to do today. They might be trained on a different skill that doesn't really exist anymore. So now we need to be willing to take people into our roles that um, are willing to work, first of all, are willing to take your crappy compensation and benefits, second of all, in in store or you know remote hybrid whatever it is but then we have to be willing to train them on the skills that didn't even exist last year and you somehow think oh i'm going to interview this person they have the skills that i need like no that skill didn't exist last year so don't get mad at the employee or the candidate that they don't have the skills when you hire them you still have to have a training program you know um, and, uh, you know, just to talk a little bit about about like the, the big news uh, art, uh, things that come out uh, as of lately of layoffs, most of those layoffs that are happening, they're really, really large companies, first of all. And second of all, they hired more employees than they ever needed because their service or their product was needed due to the pandemic. Right. And so they overhired because they were greedy and they wanted the money. And now they're laying off the people that they overhired. That's not the same thing with the small businesses, which most of our companies in the United States are small businesses. And I mean like 100 employees and under. And those people uh, are still struggling finding employees. So I personally, as the HR lady, I'm not worried about you know a recession. I'm not worried about all these layoffs that are going on. I'm worried about those people that are getting laid off that, you know, are, are they going to be able to find new jobs? I think the answer is yes. It's just going to have to be a different job. Right. You know, they may have to um, learn new skills themselves. So for the folks that are listening saying, I need to get the hell out of my company, go get all the training that you can, especially if you've been laid off. Um, 
every state in the United States has some kind of training, um, I'll say grant for lack right. of a better word, but you can go through the unemployment office. It's hard in some states, especially Florida, makes it incredibly difficult to get that training. But if you're, if you're, you know, one that says, oh, I got nothing else to do. I've been let go. And now I have 40 hours free in my week or whatever, how many hours you use that time to take the training that our tax money already pays for. Right. You just, it's sometimes very, very difficult to find and to get because the people that are in charge of it are, um, they're not trained on their own services. You know, the people that are on the unemployment office, they're not trained on how do I help these employees uh, or these former employees who are now looking for new skills and new jobs. But there's so many free things out there or cheap things um, that you really should take this opportunity if you're laid off to uh, figure out new skills, put them on your resume, uh, make sure you're not lying about it. And, and going forward, you know, instead of saying, I want to hang on to my old career that doesn't really exist anymore. Right. So in, to add on to that, in Kansas, I don't know if it's still this name or it, it used to be called Kansas Workforce. And you could go and take a whole battery of tests and then they, they would have jobs there that they would match you with. And there were some really good jobs uh, there. Um, so I had done that at one point a long time ago. And then when I was laid off from a company that I can't really talk about, there was a, a, a program, don't know if it's still around. I don't know the parameters of how you, I don't remember. Someone told me about it, so I applied for it. But it was like Trade Readjustment Assistance, T-R-A-A, T-R-R-A, Trade Readjustment Assistance, T-R-A-A, I think it, what it what it was. And so, because we got laid off in mass. So basically, a, a foreign company bought our, our company. They would send people over to learn certain jobs. They would go back home, and then our people would lose their jobs. And then that migrated until no one had a job anymore here stateside. Um, but th because of that, I was able to ch join this program that the Department of Labor facilitated. So I was able to go back and get another degree. Um, and I finally got a I, I got a business degree. I was able to just get a business degree. And so they paid everything. I never saw a bill. They paid all my tuition. They paid all my books. I just, I would get the numbers. I would s send it to them. I would have to meet with them. I had someone that, you know, tra I had to turn in my grades at the end of each semester, but then they had to pay me on top of that. So it was almost yeah, $500 so a week. And then as opposed to, um, to unemployment, I was able to work on top of that. So I was that was so I, I was able to work part time, go to school, and I wouldn't have been able to go back to school and get this degree if not for that extra money. So it was because I was able to work part time then. So it was very beneficial to me. So there are programs out there that will let you go back and and finish things. Because I'd mentioned earlier that when I was laid off because I can hire someone half your age at half your price, I also didn't have a college degree. I didn't finish college at that point. So this allowed me to go back, and after 30 years, I'd lost so many credits anyways, almost like a new student, but I was able to go back and finally get that degree. And actually, that's probably, as an adult, that sticks out more than anything else because yeah. that was just, I mean, not just me. I had professors and others that helped and other students, I mean, project. But I mean, that was, I, I pretty much could determine how I graduated, what my grade, I was capable of doing that. I focused full time. I wasn't a shithead kid anymore. 
I see, I was very aware when my parents thought that I had ADD because they would always get frustrated because I had shitty grades. But then they're like, but you do all this math and stuff in your head, but you, you're, you have shitty grades. Well, I don't go to school and I don't do my homework. So that's why grades are bad. It's not like I'm there every day and doing the homework and getting shitty grades. I'm just not there and not turning shit in. That's why. Yeah. So yeah, you can be you can be a crappy student and be an amazing employee. Yeah. So um, I'll get back to that in a second. So I wanted to just address real quick yeah. for our listeners, especially if you know anybody that um, has been laid off. Um, it's called um, the it's called Career One Stop. So careeronestop.org. And that one, is, do you know, uh, is it the number or spelled out? Uh, it's spelled out. So okay. Career onestop.org. Okay. You can just Google uh, workforce development, but it's sponsored by the Department of Labor. It's also called, um, it's a, a network of American Job Center, but there's all these websites. You can go on to career one stop, all spelled out, .org, and then you can put in your zip code and it'll find the nearest American Job Center. And in those job centers, um, whether you were laid off or not, if you're just saying, I need change, you can find out if there's any kind of funding available to you um, for training. And so there is like a trade adjustment act. If you're a veteran, there's all these bills and there's even information there about like, um, you know, the supplemental nutrition assistance program, you named it. There's so many opportunities to get free or low cost training. It, it's practically an act of God, though, like to get through the application process and get somebody who's confident on the other end to help you. But don't give up because there's so many, so many free options or very cheap options. They usually, though, come they're, they're easier to get as a human if you've been let go or laid off. So right. if you're about to quit and you're like, this guy's about to fire me, I'm going to quit before he fires me. No, no, no. Let right. them fire you because <laughs> yeah. then you can, uh, you know, apply for not just unemployment. I'm in Florida. Our unemployment's crap. It's, it's a joke. But the more important thing is now because you were um, let go in theory through no fault of your own, whether it's a layoff or just job performance, then you may be eligible for all these, all these benefits. Now, including training, uh, whether it's a certification program, just a course that you've taken that you want to put on your resume or a degree. Now I want to talk about degrees a little bit because I have three degrees and I'm telling you most of my degrees did not prepare me for the reality of the workplace. Right. And so, you know, um, don't, I, I, our younger generations, they're still going to college, but it's so unaffordable to go to college. And then you come out with a college degree that did not prepare you for the workforce. And now you have a hundred thousand dollars in debt. And this is why younger people, and I'm just going to say under 40, are saying, screw this. I've got so many bills, and this job is not helping me pay those bills, and the cost of living is so much, and I'm never going to pay off my student loans, that that's why these younger individuals are saying, I will do the job, I will do it well, but I'm not doing more than I've agreed to. And right. I don't blame them because, you know, we, we shouldn't have to. I'm a work addict. I love working, but now I work for myself. So I get I get the benefits on my own, but like I just have things in my brain that I love to work and I love I love seeing people, you know, satisfied with the product of work. I was the same way when I was in corporate. Um, I was fortunate that I was in a very good company that my career just kept going up, 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 up. But not everybody um, is fortunate to have those business owners, owners that actually care about their employees. 
And for the people that are listening today going, I don't give a shit about my employees. Okay, that's fine. That's a strategy too. Right. But here's what you should give a shit about is your bottom line. So if you just pretend a little bit that you care about your employees, maybe you actually will start caring about them because when you care about your employees and you help them succeed, they'll help you succeed. So if you have to do a Jedi mind check to make yourself <laughs> figure out how do I how am I going to care about these employees when I don't really care about other humans, if it's all about money, caring about employees is going to make you more money. Right. And that's how you can, you know, maybe turn it around to say, all right, I know you don't care about people's feelings, but here's the bottom line. When we do this, when we have a celebration or we give awards out or we give bonuses, people stay at the company and they do more than we ask them to. So that could be the way you can connect it to the, um, I'll just say the CEO or the CFO who doesn't necessarily care about people. Not saying that all the CEOs or CFOs don't care about people, but that's kind of like the Jedi mind trick that I, I deal with when I'm talking to people of like, all right, I could tell you're a real jerk and you don't care about people's feelings, but the bottom line is going to be affected by people's feelings. Right. And, and that's one thing about me and, there's lack of a better term, manipulation, manipulate people, is I can find what's going to motivate them or in a certain case, demotivate them if I need to. So, because uh, I'm pretty good at identifying the, those carrots that, that people desire. And then, and I'm able to do that. I, I, I often said, don't treat people equally, treat them fairly. Because not, yeah. I, I mean, that that's what you want. I mean, I remember at Best Buy, we had a, an older gentleman, Jed, and everyone's like, why don't you, and this was back in the day when they had TVs that were huge boxes, you know, a 32 inch was just this gigantic piece of furniture and things. And so they would have to use this big machine to get them, get them down. They were, they were up overhead and they'd always, the younger guys would be like, why don't you ever make a Jed do any of that work? And I'm like, well, I can but we'll probably be here later. I go, but that's fine. If you, if you guys want to vacuum and dust, that's fine. I'll have Jed, uh, I'll have him do that. And they go, no, we want to get out at a certain time. I'm like, okay. I mean, there's a reason I had, and sometimes you have to explain it too. So I'll say this, going back to manager, a leader, if you're a manager, a leader, you would mention communication and that is so important. So I used to, when I was with Best Buy the first time, I would always tell people, hey, I'm going to be off the floor for the next hour and a half. I got these reports that I need to do, this, that, the other. If you need me, there I am. You can reach me, however. So they would know exactly what I was doing. Because if I didn't do that, then it was like, oh, where's Ro at? We don't see him. He must be fucking around. Because that's what uh, that's what a lot of people will jump to. The, fir the first thing they jump to is like, that person's not doing what they're supposed to. So if you communicate effectively, just like you said earlier in the program, it 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 solves a lot of problems. Yeah, really like do, do they know that they're supposed to be doing that? <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah, and, and that's what I would always ask. And sometimes I know that people would think that it was me being a dick, and it wasn't, but I may ask why did you do that because that's the most efficient way to ask that question and I wasn't doing I, I wasn't and I'd always sometimes I'd be like and I, I I'm not trying to lay blame here I'm just asking why did you do that because I for, I forgot I wasn't supposed to do that no one ever told me I wasn't supposed to do that I didn't have enough time to do that the customer asked me what you know why because if this is something that was negative and it needs to be resolved, we need to find out what the issue is so we can resolve that issue. And then we don't have this problem anymore. So 
and that's what I would always try to ask a question and get the most direct answer. Like if I ask you, how old are you? Oh, I'm going to be 19 next month. Well, that's not the question I ask you, but thank you. And people, I mean, people knew that it was funny because so what happened was I was uh, a manager at Best Buy. I had left. They had hired someone while I was gone and he looked like he was 12. And so I asked, I remember his name. I asked Kyle and there was a group of us that I asked Kyle, I go, I go, Kyle, can I just ask, how old are you? And he goes, I'll be 19 next month. And I didn't say anything. And Chris House said, he didn't ask you how old you're going to be next month. He asked how old you are today. And he goes, I'm 18. I go, thank you. I just turned, but it was funny because from that time on, Kyle always gave me very specifics. Like, yeah, you made it clear that you wanted a specific answer. Yeah. And, and, you know, as a leader, as someone that is demonstrating the, um, the proper behavior, uh, so when I was a, uh, the trainer was sprint, I would, if I was locally or having to be in another city for two weeks straight, generally new hire went for two weeks and it'd be interesting the first, you know, day of training. So I'd be like, I don't understand this shit. And my response would be like, what stuff don't you understand? I don't understand this shit. What stuff don't you understand at the end of the first week? I don't understand this shit. I mean, stuff. Okay, what stuff don't you understand? At the end of the second week, this is what I don't understand. They were they were taking it because I never negatively, I never said, don't say shit. I know I just let them do that, but I was trying to demonstrate and give them the and they just uh, I mean they just picked that up. And of course, me, I would be worried if they didn't pick it up. I'd be like, maybe this isn't the person. But that was the weird thing too and as an HR person, I want to ask you cuz as a trainer and maybe it's just me, I used to be able to stand up in front of a class of 30 new hires and I would be able to tell you which ones wouldn't make it through training, which ones wouldn't make it a month in the store, which ones were just doing this because they needed to have a job until something else came along and which ones would be like long-term employees if nothing fucked them up. Have you or are you able to do that as well? Are you able to like see that in people? Yeah, I mean, it depends on it depends on the role because as an HR person, you're hiring everybody from right. a receptionist to a CFO. So I'm not gonna know like the I'm not gonna know the CFO's job, and I'm probably honestly, quite honestly, not gonna know the receptionist's job. Right. But what I can see is uh, the the uh, personal attributes, you know, the behavior, and so that's one of the things that I do differently. Um, well, at least I think I do it differently. I, I mainly do a, I do a lot of management training and a lot of conference speaking where I teach people how to be managers. And I also I hate the word performance review because it shouldn't just be a performance review. It should be performance and behavior. Right. Nine out of ten times when my phone calls are coming in, you know, for my clients, I'm a consultant as well. It's not because they're oh they're not doing their job. I don't know what to do. No, you already know what to do. They're not doing their job. You'd retrain them and and write them up or you get them out of there. What it usually is, my phone calls are coming in, or that this person's acting like an asshole, and I don't know what to do about it. Right. And I immediately say, "What are your company values?" Oh, we don't have any. Okay, let's get a committee together. Let's create them. Company values are often created to sell a product, but what they really should be doing is to hold everybody that works with the company accountable for their behavior, and not just the employees. Thank you. Thank you. Well, I, like I do that <laughs> because I, when I went to a company that I was director of operations, they didn't have an employee handbook. So I developed an employee handbook 
and the the um, uh, owner didn't want to institute it because I said that he was going to have to follow those guidelines as well. And I was adamant. Ah. I was adamant about that. I go, you don't get to say this and fucking do the the opposite. No, We're, I'm not putting. If you want to omit it from the handbook, I'm fine with that. But you don't get to put something in and then contradict it in front of everyone. Right. Yeah. Good for you. Yeah, um, exactly. So, folks that are listening, if you are a manager or a company owner, please, please, please have a very, very clear set of guidelines on how people are supposed to behave in your workplace. Um, you know, they're usually words like trust and transparency and professionalism and respect, but you have to hold the assholes accountable that aren't doing that so that everybody knows that you're serious. Right. If you're letting the good salesperson get away with being a jerk, but you're not letting the, you know, project manager get away with it. No, you're, you have a crappy culture and everybody sees it that you right. only care about money. Salespeople often get away with a lot because they're bringing in the money and then they're real jerks. To their coworkers, but the the clients love them. No, no, no. That's not. That's no longer acceptable. It's going to a get you in a lawsuit first of all, um, and then b the word gets out that you have a crappy company culture and people don't want to work for you, or they'll take your pay, but they're going to do the bare minimum of the job and be highly disengaged, which is going to hurt your organization more than keeping that you know um, that salesperson that's bringing in all that money. And again, not not making fun of salespeople or picking on them. I'm, I'm just using this as an example. No, and, and I get that. And if you go to any major corporation, if you talk to accounting, they're the most important d division of the, the you know, and then sales, they're the most important. Shipping's the most important. So it, it just depends on who you're talking to. But you being in sales, I get away with a lot because of my personality. I Because th I always know that... Uh, so I, I had a, uh, a psychic and an empath on, and we were talking about, I always say listen to people, and the way I've always talked about how I can read people, she goes, it sounds like you're kind of like an empath. Because I, for some reason, I'm always, it doesn't even matter if it's my customer, I get a vibe off someone, and the, so at the shoe store that I work at currently, we sell high-end stuff, and sometimes vendors will send us um, stuff to try out. And I've had 11 knee surgeries, and they sent this knee brace. And it was very intricate webbing and everything. And so the owner's there, I'm there. And the owner fucking hates when I talk in front of customers, I think. Uh, 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 one of the other salesperson was with a customer ringing it up. But the customer, she was right on the other side of the counter. And she's a woman, uh, I want to say older than me, probably my age, 56, somewhere somewhere. Our ages were not dissimilar. But anyway, Lewis had said, what do you think of this knee brace? And I go, I think I would get tangled in it. He goes, you wouldn't want to wear this? And I go, actually, I do like it. It looks like when I wear my wife's fishnet hose. <laughs> and the customer just started laughing. And he got he, at the, you can't say that. I go, did she laugh? And he goes, yeah. And I go, what's your problem? How about if she didn't laugh? I go, don't worry. I knew she was going to laugh. I mean, I just am able to do that. Uh, another thing that he hates is when I, I don't know why he wants to give the illusion that we're not commissioned salespeople at a high-end shoe store, the sit-and-fit shoe store. So I will, like, just yesterday from the time of us recording this, I was sitting with a couple and they were looking at some expensive shoes. There was quite a few in front of us. And the owner's sitting to my left. And I know he's eavesdropping and hearing. And I go, hey, the owner sitting over here, 
He doesn't like it when I say this, but as a commission salesperson, I want you to know I will not prevent you from buying all of these at one time. And I gener- they'll generally laugh about that because, I mean, they're, our shoes are not cheap at all. So if you're looking at four or five pairs, I mean, it's thousands of dollars, which is not uncommon either. But it's just funny because I, I, I will treat people differently based on that, um, which is going to lead me to, I think, my final thing uh question i will warn you though i don't seem to understand what the term final question means so even though i'm going to ask you a question (laughs) there may be quite a few other ones so i just always want to tell people that when we get to the final question stage but so here in the greater kansas city area where i live just recently and at the time of uh, us recording this it is uh mid november of 2023 there was, because you had mentioned, and the reason I wanted to also bring this up is you had just mentioned uh, lawsuits, because um, everyone loves to litigate everything now. There is a guy on the uh, a city council here of a suburb of Kansas City who was fired because he sent a video of him masturbating on the couch to coworkers. Um, <laughs> In my first, because like people think I'm weird. I'm like, why is that a fireable offense? Is it not in good taste? Is there, is there a lot of things? But I mean, me personally, I, and I don't know what the guy's name was, but I would have been, let's just say his name was Ro. I would have been like, hey, Ro, we got a, a meeting next week. And if you're going to masturbate again, don't have the video on. I mean, I would use that to my advantage. And I know you can't do that anymore. And that's one thing that I hate that this is not the 1980s sometimes. Um, Overall, we live we live and work in a much better client than it was uh, climate than it was in the '80s, but I I just don't understand why that was such a fireable offense because everyone went up in arms. I mean, I mean it's bad taste. You shouldn't have done it, but I mean I'm just like I don't know. I mean, <laughs> no, no, absolutely do not do that. Do not. No, I'm not saying you. To me, people. No, I'm not saying that you should, but if it. First of all, there should be a hard and fast rule. Work computer, porno computer. I mean, gosh, that seems basic, but it seems like someone should have told this dude that. Um, and yes, no, yeah. it sounds like they had a um, no, no excuses, no sexual harassment, um, first time you're out a policy, which is which is not all companies have that. Some no. companies, you know, are like, okay, well. You know, you break the rules a few times and a few times and depending on your role and, you know, it's hard to find people. No, 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 no. It's going to cost you way, 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 way more money in a sexual harassment lawsuit that the employee may not even bring to you. The government may bring to you. Even if you win, um, you, the company, win the sexual harassment lawsuit, it's still all over the news. And, you're, you know, your clients are like, ew, I don't want to be there. Or maybe you will gain some clients for that if they're, they're sickos. But the reason he got fired was because he sent unsolicited dick pics to his, his coworkers, and um, not, you know, whether some of those coworkers liked it or were okay with it or not. You never know what other people are going to be okay with, even if you're just telling a dirty joke out on your smoke break and you're saying it to your other coworker. Well, a third coworker walks by and says, "I'm not okay with that now." you're in, you know, in the discrimination territory. So yes, they absolutely should have been fired 100%. <laughs> and see, and that's another reason why I don't think I personally fit in well anymore. So one of my big things that I have a problem with is people taking offense that don't have 
reason to take offense. Like someone, um, like if someone took offense, like if someone, cause I'm six foot five. So, um, you know, it's, uh, shaming only goes one way. Uh, it seems like, so if you're short and I said something, I, I would be ostracized, but people can come by, uh, you're a tall uh, bean pole. You're a tall drink of water. Do you play a lot of basketball? What's the air like? up? So they can make a lot of comments like that. And it would be like if a short person got upset for me, because it's like, if I'm not upset, I don't understand why you're upset. And I see that a lot in, in the society as a whole. And I was starting to see that more and more where people would take offense to something that really had nothing to do with them. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You do see that. And honestly, I know a lot of people blame the younger generations on that, but it's it's always been like that. It you has. Know? Yes. There's always people that are like, they're not minding their business. Like, keep your business over there. But if it's something like bullying or, or violence or potential harassment, you know, it is all hands on deck. We're asking all, all employees to look out for each other. Um, and, you know, if somebody happens to be walking by, an inappropriate conversation where two people are okay with it and the third person walking by is not okay with it. Unfortunately, it is a fireable offense and it, it could be borderline discrimination if if you have a handbook that says this isn't allowed right. and if you've trained your employees and if you've trained your managers. Now, if you haven't, that's on you business. You're still going to get sued. It's just that the, the employees didn't know because you didn't have any policy right. or, or training on it. So. The, the company is still responsible for their, the action of their employees, whether they train them or not, whether the employee lied about their skills, their background or not. That's on you, employer. You rushed through that interviewing process. You put people in positions that they shouldn't have been in and you gave them this authority. And by the way, you forgot to train them on everything from right. the law to how to treat other human beings. Um, so the, the days of, of companies, uh, in my opinion, my professional opinion, the days of companies saying, you know, we're not going to follow the law or we're not going to do the right thing, um, they're they're going away mainly because employees of all ages are just not, they're saying, we're not going to take it. Right. <laughs> you know, cue the song, you know. They're saying, we're not going to take it and we're going to work for somebody else who treats us better. Now, some of our listeners might be in a geographic area that, you know, we don't have a ton of people and we don't have a lot of jobs here. We don't have a lot of companies here. So those companies, you know, kind of get to fight over the employees um, between three or four companies. But eventually people can move, you know, they don't have to stay in the little ho-hum town anymore. They can they can move and find a job somewhere else. Right. Do people want to move? That's a whole other conversation. But I, I for one, feel like as, as – um, awful as the past couple of years have been, you know, with the pandemic and deaths and everything. And we don't even need to go into that conversation, but I, I feel like the, the changes in the world is um, it's making companies have to be better and yeah. do better for their candidates, for their recruits, for their employees, for their managers. Um, they, if even if you don't, if you don't treat people well, uh, they're going to go somewhere else and you're not going to have a company. So well, I don't often feel very bad for companies that fold. Um, you know, hear in the no news, somebody, company closed or whatever. And it's like, well, yeah, when you dig deeper, you treat your employees like shit and you pay them minimum wage. So I don't feel sorry for you. Sorry. Yeah. 
if your business guilt, if your business plan depended on people being broke, then screw you. See you later. I'm not buying your service. I'm not buying your product. And I'm certainly not going to help you or put my name on your company when you're not really doing going to change anything. Right. You know, a lot of companies will hire um, speakers or trainers or consultants, but then they don't really want to do anything. They just want to point the finger at that, that company. And I've been in that situation and I won't ever get in that situation again. If I find somebody who's just an asshole to work with, no, I'm not helping you unless you actually plan on listening. Well, and so that's where, and, and I have a feeling that at least one of the owners listens to this program. And so they'll learn about my exit strategy. And now, uh, so I'll be there until we get our, our profit sharing for next year. And then I will probably be bolting because we had an issue where one day I went to work. There was another gentleman there. When I got there, he's like, we opened together. He's like standing way on the other side, has a mask on. I go, what's going on? He goes, I tested positive for COVID today. I was like, oh, okay. Um, so we had some, uh, some, some mask back there. So I, I grabbed a mask, put it on the owner and the owner's wife came in and, um, this guy left. So then a couple other salespeople come in work most of the day. Um, near the end of the day, I'm, uh, uh, I'm getting ready to leave and the owner doesn't seem to be doing well. And I asked, well, I tested positive too. Hold on. I got a sound for that. And I lost my ever loving shit because he had tested positive before he had come into the store. And so why did you come in? Yeah. yeah, So my deal was if, if you're going to be there and expose other people, I mean, so the other guy had already, so I, I didn't have COVID. At least at that point, I had him feeling bad, nothing. There was nothing to indicate that I should have been. So I went and tested. I immediately came up negative. But my, my thing was, it, why wouldn't you have sent me home? You guys could have both been positive and hung out there together. But then the fact that we did not tell customers, we just wore a mask, and then the answer was not a legitimate answer. The answer was uh, we were exposed to and we and they were they I mean we got it somewhere they they got it I ended up never getting it that was the other thing so I ended up having to take four days off of my own vacation time so that I didn't have to work with people that were showing up with COVID yeah that's shitty it is so that's why and I'm not shy about saying that that's why I'm going to be leaving the the company after the start of the new year is because I mean that I, and there are a couple other times, there are times I get it. I'm high maintenance. I will butt heads. I mean, that's when you're next to a star, I'm sometimes it's hot. Um, but there are just times where, um, so on labor day, I ask why we're open labor. We're going to be open from nine to three. We're generally open nine to six. And I go, what, what, I just asked the question, why are we open on Labor Day? And the answer is like, we're always open Labor Day. Once again, let me restate the question. This Labor, <laughs> Day, this Labor Day, why are we open from 9 to 3? He goes, what do you mean? I go, well, well, Labor Day is not like the 4th of July, where 4th of July people will do picnics, but a lot of times it's late evening and they'll go into the fireworks and stuff. I go, you know, Labor Day is the end of summer. That's the last day at the pool. 
you have us working nine to three. People usually do cookouts at lunch because they got to work the next day, so they're not cooking out and drinking late into the dinner. You have us working nine to three, so by the time we get off, and he goes, yeah, but you don't have to work a full day. And then I go, exactly. So now I don't get to spend time with my family, and I'm not working a full day, so I'm not going to get my full pay, and I'm going to assume that because it's a holiday, people aren't going to be coming in to buy shoes. And he got so pissed. He stormed off the, the floor, and a, a fairly new salesperson at the time, his eyes got so big. And then uh, Lewis comes storming back out. He goes, didn't I give you an employee handbook? And my answer was, yes, you did, and it doesn't address this. And he went back Yikes. in it. He went back in the back room. Ten minutes later, he came out. And he goes, we're going to be closed on Monday. I was like, okay. <laughs> and the funny thing is now I have, so, and I know it's post pandemic, but the week, so this year being closed on Labor Day, we were 20% higher than we were last year being open on Labor Day. We're 20% more for the week. So, cause my feeling is, especially with a store like us, you have to know your clientele there. They can't go, oh, they're closed. I'm going to go to Walmart and buy these shoes. That's not how it works. They have to come back and buy them from us when we're open. So when we're open is when they're going to show up. I don't. We don't need to fucking accommodate them. Give me the day off. Of course, I'm saying that because it means more to me. But it was just funny because it, he was so upset. And when he stormed out and goes, didn't I give you an employee handbook? And I'm like, yeah, and it doesn't address this. That even that even was worse, I think. I should have just been like, <laughs> I should have shrugged my shoulders and used this voice. I don't know. I don't know. I should have been using that voice the whole time, actually, because that, that's something that I'm sure an HR person would love. They, they, someone would be sent to HR because... This is how they talk, and, and my cubicle mate doesn't like it because I'm talking like this all the time, and they're like, you sound like a chipmunk, and I'm like, I'm not a chipmunk. I'm just a guy talking like this. I know. I do love that voice. Yeah. That's hilarious. I, I wish I would have started with that. Man, I wish I would have waited an hour and 45 minutes into it. So, okay, so final, final question, probably, maybe, probably not. Um what is the biggest challenge you foresee for HR, regardless of the size of the company, if you can do that? What, what do you see the biggest challenge? Forcing people to go back to the office, some new technology. I mean, we didn't even get into AI and how that's changing jobs or even resumes for people. And the Yeah, so I actually, I, I, I teach um, HR people and really anybody how to use ChatGPT to get that giant... Um, to-do list off the plate, you right. know, writing, writing memos, writing, um, you, you name it, you can write a song, you can do anything with it. And it, you can use AI to help get that giant stuff off the plate so that you're actually working with your employees and not be not being stuck behind a computer, you know, trying to develop a memo or a policy. Right. Um, the biggest, you know, the biggest focus, I should say, it's not really a, ch well, it is a challenge, is just retaining employees. So, Retaining good employees, retaining right. engaged employees. And I don't mean by marital status. I mean, hey, I want to be here. I want to do a good right. job. I'm coming back tomorrow. I'm referring my friends. But engagement in the in the U.S., in Canada, around the world is incredibly, incredibly low um, right now. And so just if you have the uh, a capability to actually um, attract people, it could be because of your – pay it could be because of your benefits but that doesn't mean that just because somebody hasn't quit yet or because they're accepting a job 
doesn't mean they're going to be engaged and fully engaged. Right. And so managers, 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 um, whether it's the business owner acting as a manager or whether it's a giant company and they're assigning people to be managers, they need to be trained on, on, how, on human behavior, how to communicate, how to communicate with different people of different ages, different, you know, backgrounds, um, you know, different experiences. So communication from managers is really going to be the game changer for the company. And so you may think you're a really great communicator. Odds are you you might be, but you're probably not for that employee. You're good right. with this employee over here. So we have to learn about personality styles, personality traits, difference, differences in generations. Really? I say get to know every single one of your employees and don't judge them based on their age or their language or their language barrier or their experience or lack of experience or their degree or lack of degree. You have to get to know every single employee as a human being and find out what makes that person tick. How do I need to change my communication with that person in order for them to do what I want them to do and that we both go home happy and we both come back tomorrow, you know, on decent terms. Right. So communication is, is the number one issue, not only in companies, but in the world. And that alone, if you could just keep figuring out how do I change my communication, my communication style, what else do I need to learn and put into practice, um, that is going to improve employee retention and, and employee engagement. So we want our employees to not quit, but we also want them to come back tomorrow and actually do the job that we agreed for them to do. Right. So uh, just because they're there doesn't mean they're engaged and productive. Just means they're there taking the taking the paycheck. And it all comes down to management. And for those folks that are on today, again, that are, are business owners, don't go pointing the finger at the managers because you put them in that role and you did that with or without training or you trained them wrong and you're not holding the managers accountable. So right. managers do make a difference in, in today's uh, world. But um, I do feel for quite some time, I don't know how long, but it's not going to be resolved in 2024 is my personal opinion that we're still going to have major issues for quite some time, years ahead of um, not having enough skilled workers for the skills that we need today because the skill didn't exist yesterday. So right. um, the employee exists, the human exists, but they need to be trained and it's probably going to be by you. If, you know, even just talking about AI, it's only been out, you know, about a year, um, not even fully. And we're, we're relying on it a lot. Well, people aren't trained on it because it's a new right. skill. So you can't say, oh, I want somebody who has three years of experience in chat GPT. Hello, it didn't exist for the public. So right. that is that's an unreasonable request in that job description. Yeah, the, and, the days of sitting in the Blockbuster interview is just like a salesperson for or a counter person for Blockbuster. And they ask you the question, where do you see yourself in five years? I want to be the manager of my own Blockbuster store. I mean, because, you know, it, it has changed so much. I mean, that was a question, you know, that was very common back in the 80s and 90s. Where do you see yourself in X number of years? Which I always thought was a lazy fucking question, but whatever. Yeah, like, I don't know. Where the hell are you going to put me? Yeah. You know, it, <laughs> you know? And I, one of the great things that a, a good manager, I think, can can do is when you're listening, be able to identify maybe something that, is a pressure point and is if, if you can help them understand. So I, at our church, I used to help with, uh, I used to attend and then I used to help. Uh, it, it was uh, for people that are dealing with unemployment and long-term unemployment. And for a majority of it, I would say that probably 90% of the people that showed up at least were men uh, at this. 
And one of the most common things that uh, it seemed to be a pain for men is someone brought up at a meeting being in for interviews and you get down and you know you're one of the last two or three candidates and then you never hear from the company again. It'd be like, you know, this is when ghosting, we were ghosted by him. And uh, so in a lot of them, it seemed to really hurt that really frustrating. They're really, they seem really kind of upset about that. And so then I asked these people, we're in a very affluent area, a suburb of of, uh, Kansas City. And so I asked these people, knowing that most of them probably owned homes, how many of you own homes? Many of them raise their hand. I go, you know, we're here in the Midwest, we have hailstorms. How many of you ever had to have a roof roof replaced because of a hailstorm? I start getting like weird looks at this point, like, what do you, where are we going with this? And so, you know, a few of them, and I I would ask, uh, I think I asked four, I go, what did you do? What was the process of getting your roof replaced? Well... You know, I, I would call all these different companies. They would come out. They'd look at the roof. They'd give me bids and everything. I'd decide uh, who I was going to have fix my roof. So I'd ask the next person, same story, same story, same story. And then I'd go, how many of you, because I didn't hear you say this, how many of you called the ones that you did not choose, the roofers you did not choose, and tell them that you went with someone else? And none of, yeah, hold on, I got a sound for that. None of, none of them had an answer for that. And I go, you have to understand for those companies those are jobs. That's a, just like you're trying to get a job. Those roofing companies, you're a job to them. And it was funny because as soon as I said that, you could see it. They change in like the anger that they had from not hearing. It was then it was like, well, that's just part of what it is and we can move on. So sometimes being able to deliver the information in a way that's palatable for the masses or give them that aha moment where it just clicks like, okay, I'm not going to be angry about that anymore. That's not going to upset me. That's just how things go. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the last piece of advice, again, that I would, I would uh, give to anybody that's listening is just remember you have to grab that mirror and say, huh, maybe I'm part of the problem. Yeah. And nine out of ten t- times, it, it's usually just simple communication. Um, and there's also a fear factor, you know, for employees um, that don't want to speak up. If your employees aren't speaking up to you, it's probably for a reason. They are afraid of you or your actions or reactions or the company's um, reactions based on you know previous experience within your company. But if your employees are not saying, hey, I see a mistake and I want to let you know before we proceed with this project, well, it's because they don't trust you or they don't feel safe enough for uh, to speak up and say, I see some, something's wrong and I want to say something. So, well, and we have that – that- that's exactly right, but a lot of people don't have the, I don't know, fortitude would be the right word, to do that, to speak up. Like, I always do that. I'll just be like, I'm not doing it. And, I, and I'll give you, I'm not going to say it and not give you, I'll give you an exact reason, because it's not my job. It doesn't say, no, because it's too, what, I will give you a reason, but there's a, there are a couple of employees that uh, work there that, um, uh, Let's put it this way. There have been multiple times when I've been with just these two employees where I've had to text the owners saying, if you guys don't say something to them, I'm leaving. And then on one day, I actually did leave. They were on their way in, and I was like, fuck this, I'm out. Because the, these two people argue and scream. I mean, 
in front of customers. Yeah, that, and that, that comes down to the expected behaviors in the workplace. This right. is not an expected behavior. Right, but it, the funny thing is- this happens again, you're out. Yeah, so the funny thing about that situation with me, they were more upset that I had to leave because one of the owners was supposed to be off that day and he was mad that he had to come in. Not that these fuckers were doing what they were doing, that he had to come in because I decided to walk out that day. I go, well, you're just like I decided to come back the next day. But we do have another employee who's fairly new, and that that employee has the same. He's like, I just can't handle it. I can't. I just can't. And I go, you need to say something. And, but he won't speak up. Where no, I, not everybody's going to speak up. And, and you know, this is this is, uh, you know, what I want to say is it's not the the employee's duty to speak up. It's right. the manager's duty to speak to the employees so that they feel safe reporting something yes. or safe speaking up. And if they don't, if their natural, thank you, if their <laughs> natural personality is not, is to not speak up, it's going to be even more difficult for them. And if anybody has ever been yelled at or uh, criticized for speaking up, they're totally not going to. So yes. it's up to the leadership team, which again, hate the word leadership when it's an org chart level, Right. but it's up to the managers and the owners. So if you don't be mad at employees for not speaking up, that means your environment, your culture is not a safe culture for people to speak up. And, exactly. you know, people are getting trouble for other things. So, um, you know, if you have a good company culture and you're always, you know, um, asking employees for feedback, surveys, stay interviews, you name it, and then you're making changes, employees are going to feel safe. Even the ones that are timid um, or even fearful, they're going to feel much more safe speaking up because it's not going to be held against them, even right. if it's turned out to be their fault. If you don't have what I'm talking about, then you need help. <laughs> yeah. And I think you that's one a, thing you about training. You need to read a book at, at a minimum. <laughs> yeah. And I think that was one thing that when I was in a position where I had employees that reported to me, it was always open. They knew they could say anything to me. They literally, I was like, I don't just tell me, don't fucking be, just get it off your chest and we'll deal with it. I mean, I, I was always just, you know, it, it, just come to me and talk to me. You don't have to him and haw. Just, just tell me. I, I will, I will find solutions together. We'll, we'll figure this out. So, and I think that does. There's a big difference. You can be like in a big box store, and you can see some managers that will walk through the department, and the the employees will scatter. And it's maybe they're fearful, like, oh, I'm not doing it, or. But then you walk. I mean, I used to like walking in, and people would be. You'd see smiles on your their face. Oh, he's here. Oh, that's the manager that's on duty today, or whatever. And that's what it was like having that open communication. Because uh, not everyone. I, I just say whatever the fuck is on my mind. So I. And sometimes that's a frustrating thing for me. Like, why didn't you speak up? And they're like, well, that's not me. So my wife right. used to be. We've been together twenty eight years in. We were polar opposites of each other. And even though as as weird as I may seem in whichever direction you think that is, I've been pulled much closer to center now. And then my 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 wife has gotten where, you know, she's able to to speak up. Because that wasn't like her. She didn't know. She always thought it was difficult to start a conversation. Not always. Sometimes would think it was difficult to start a conversation with a stranger or address a problem because this may be the reaction. It's like... You know, don't worry about the, re you can't anticipate the reaction fully. Just if you need to say something, say it and, th and get through it. So yeah. Hmm. Okay. 
Okay, Wendy Sellers, the HR lady, and your website is thehrlady.com. Any other, uh, so on your site, and I've been to it, there, there's uh, many links and testimonials, and you, I don't think I did this at the beginning. You, as the HR lady, you do training, you do support, consultation, other things that you do for companies. Yeah, so I, I do a lot of management training, uh-huh. um, whether it's for associations or companies or individuals. I have online training programs that people can just go and buy. Um, I have two books, Suck It Up Buttercup, Be a Leader People Will Follow, and The Asshole Whisper, which deal, uh, talks about jerks at work. Um, and uh, I also have my own podcast, um, The HR Lady, and there is a series in that podcast called Fuck Around and Find Out. Uh, and I also have a YouTube channel channel. So I give away a lot of free stuff. Go find me on any of the social medias, including LinkedIn and let me know if I can help you in any way possible. I'd be more than happy to. That would be great. So that, that is so amazing. I appreciate you, you being on the, our podcast. So, um, cause things are changing in the workplace and it's, uh, there's a, a, a lot of things and, and I do understand the, we didn't even touch about the the age differences, the generational differences. That will have to be a podcast for another time. <laughs> it is. I remember, and, and so here's the thing that, well, I, I never take anything personally anyway. It's either true or it's not true, so it doesn't bother me. Um, but I am not a boomer. And I remember the young guys, mostly guys at Best Buy, like if they didn't like something, they'd be like, okay, boomer. And I'd always laugh at that. It's like, you're not even targeting me right. I mean, if you're going to stereotype me, at least get me in the correct generation, which I, I'm i not even sure. I think whatever's after baby boomers, that's, I think it's X. Gen X. Yeah, Gen X. So I don't even know. that's Because it was indifferent to me. But I always thought that was funny that that was their comeback. And I'm like, that'd be like calling me short and I'm 6'5". Once again, that's not going to phase me. So, um, no, it, it was so much fun talking to you. Uh, it's... It, it was interesting hearing from someone else that's been in, cause you're much more advanced in your roles and your capacities and everything that you've done in HR. But much like it sounded like you early in your career, I was never a director of operations. I was, I was told, here's your new title. They did actually throw a whole bunch more money at me and they go, but we need you to do all these other things. And the way I learned that was actually learning it. And, you know, going to workshops, finding people, mentors and things like that. So uh, it, it was great to talk to you. So so thank you so much for being on the program. Thank you for having me. Have a great uh, rest of the year and have some fun. Okay. Uh, everyone else, uh, when do you hold on? I'll uh, close out with you in just a minute. For everyone else, thank you for listening to the Stone Genius Podcast. My name is Ro. You know me. I'm often stone. I'm always a genius. We'll talk to you all later.